To the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Randy, and I will be talking about the Scottish New Year celebration called Hugmany. This is Beth, and I will be talking about Old Lang Syne. This is Cole, and I will be talking about the Orthodox Christmas. So we are in the middle of December when we are recording this, although it comes out shortly after Christmas, but we have lots of holiday happenings this week because there's just a lot of Christmas stuff going on this time of year. There is. For instance, last Sunday, the day after we did the podcast, I went to New York City for a work trip, but while there, because New York City is just decked out for Christmas, I also got to see... The Radio City Hall Rockettes Christmas Spectacular Show. An hour and a half of Christmas blasting at you, which was very fun. Lights and glitter and lasers and laser projections. Kind of like they do at Disney with the castle. They project onto the um, building itself and use that. So that was pretty cool. The Rockettes in at least four, maybe five outfit changes. So funny. So they could do their kicks in different outfits. So it was a lot of fun uh, to go do that. And then we went uh, to Macy's on 34th Street. We went and saw their window displays. Um, They had one whole set that was just, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus themed. And the other side of the um, building, their window displays were more interactive, a little more modern looking. You could actually, they had one with a big dog in it and its nose was out, like, like it was out of the window. Like it was stuck out. And you could touch and pet his nose and his tail would wag if you pet his nose. So people were lining up to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Right. And then, of course, we went to the Christmas markets in Bryant Park where they have the ice skating and the market there. And then down to Rockefeller Center for their big tree and um, that sort of thing. So just lots and lots of Christmas there. And so many of the companies that work there that have offices there decorate their offices so as you're just walking down the street there are just different types of christmas trees in the windows as you walk down so just very very fun this past week and i took a train to go back and forth there because i always like to take a train this time of year as well so very fun Uh, along the way we uh, also this past week had a couple of work christmas parties so i had my office christmas party this week and then i had my group level christmas party next week and I had our um, my office level party, and that was very nice. They had wine and cheese and tons and tons of desserts and um, people doing skits and us guessing what movie the skits are from. Yeah, that sounded like it was fun. It was fun. And that sounded different, too. Yeah. Like something different. I like that. And you guys did a ugly Christmas sweater contest? We too? did. Yeah. yeah. It was um, by Cheer. Oh, yeah. As yeah. to who won. As to who won. Right. So that's, that's always fun. Those sorts of things are fun. Um, we also, on Friday night, as a family, went to a place called Clyde's at Willow Creek Park. So it's a restaurant. They've gutted out a old farm, barn buildings, outbuildings, so, and a house connected to it and replaced it with a restaurant. But this time of year, they deck it out for Christmas. So it looked really pretty. 
there. So that was a fun Friday night to do as a family. And then Saturday we had our Christmas party at home. And Cole had a cookie-making party with his friends. Yes. A cookie-baking party. At our Christmas party, we have a tradition of doing games there. So we typically do some kind of Christmas carol-related games, some Christmas trivia-related games. I always do a scavenger hunt where I've taken close-up pictures of different decorations in our house all over the place. And I put them on a couple sheets of paper Partygoers team up with somebody and they go around and try to find all of the different close up pictures of different things around the um, house. 20, About 20 24 pictures. This, 24, 24 pictures. pictures. Yeah. Nobody got them all, but several people got many of them. And then we do a white elephant gift. So uh, we ended up, I actually ended up as a result of the white elephant gift with a gift that was a nutcracker. It's a full size nutcracker made in Germany. I think its creation date was 1997. Mm-hmm. It was signed by the creator of it um, in German. Mm-hmm. And just it's supposed to be a Phantom of the Opera Nutcracker, but it's seen better days. Yeah. It's yeah. missing its hand, yeah. which One held hand. the mask. Right, because we looked it up face. online to yeah. see, is this really a Nutcracker from where it said it was at, on the bottom of it? And it was... We were like, oh, wait, but it's missing this. Like, the head, the other hand was supposed to be holding a rose. So, we kind of, like, messed with it, and it actually was holding a rose. It just was, the, it was kind of decrepit. Well, it was leaves, not yes. the rose. It was, yeah, it was the leaves. <laughs> the rose was yeah. missing. The rose was missing. Um, it's like someone let some little kid play with it or something. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is surprising, because it's a pretty expensive nutcracker if you buy it new. Right. Right, but... Um, so that was kind of fun to, to get that and see that it ha- actually had some history and authenticity to it as well. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but we had some <laughs> white elephant gifts that came back, like we mentioned before. Some white elephant gifts come back each year, and we had our talking wreath came back yep. um, with a little poem that came with it. The person yes. who got it didn't see it coming at all. It wasn't actually wrapped. It was outside. What they unwrapped was the poem. They had a poem, and they had some, I think, candy right. and a Starbucks card. Right. And then, um, so somebody got a small gift thinking they were safe, because right. a big wreath doesn't fit in that. But as they were reading the poem, then the person who, who brought the, the wreath back went and brought it out for them. It was really funny. Another return gift was a VHS set of the Gospel of Matthew, right. <laughs> which came with 10 boxes of... do do Girl Scout cookies. Yep. Yeah. Which was funny because Beth had that for a while. I thought I you like would end up with it. Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> yeah. And I thought I was safe because nobody else would want that many Dosey Dough cookies. And the person who ended up with it was the person who originally brought the VHS set of Matthew. Like years ago. Years ago, yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. But he wanted the Dosey Dose. Yeah, it yeah. was worth it to take the VHSs back in order to get the Dosey Dose. <laughs> what did you guys end up with? I end up with a small change purse, Starbucks gift card, and Reese's candy. Yeah, like, it was a sweet deal. Yeah, that yeah. was a nice one. I ended up with some Dove chocolates. So, oh, did you? Dove chocolate truffle. So it was fine. Yes. Yeah. And our little snowman that we put in as one of our white elephants got passed around, and it, it was, was so frozen. Cute. Yeah, it was yeah. very, it was very cute. So a lot of fun in that. Yeah, yeah, and I, um, I had planned to come to the party, but sort of at the last minute, I had a friend text me say hey do you want to do cookies because i had mentioned it a little earlier in the year so i was like great like let's go make cookies together i haven't done that with friends before so i uh 
I stayed up and made the dough the night before with uh, with your guidance. That's right. Um, which was really me doing it and then going into the other room and saying, "Hey, this is happening. Is this? Yeah, does this sound right? The recipe you picked wasn't like the simplest rep- recipe. No, it the it was, I guess, more." time intensive yes. than complex yes, because right. what it, it wasn't actually too complex a lot of it was just you took an ingredient you put it in you mix it up for a while it was just pretty right. time intensive so- right and yeah. it just takes time you have to soften the butter then you have to whip the butter then you have to yeah and sydney was uh, was a lifesaver the next yep. day because she happened to be making icing for the same type of cookie so she was able to just double that for me yeah so that was a great time. I went over to a friend's house with the dough, and then someone else brought cookie cutters, you know, sprinkles, other icing, and then we had a good time with that, cutting it out, baking them, then decorating them. Most, Sounds like a lot of eating them. Yeah, most of the cookies were lost in transit. <laughs> I was going to say, you didn't bring any home. Somewhere along the path, they were lost. Uh, but we ended up with a few that I left at, uh, at our friend's place, which was fun, and... We ended up, after we decorated cookies, going over to another friend's place and hanging out doing games for a while, which was a great time. So I enjoyed the night a lot. Yeah, you came home about the time we were finishing cleaning up, which I think was around 1 a.m. Uh, last night. Yeah. So now tonight, that was a lot of fun. Now tonight, uh, they're actually calling for snow and maybe some ice. So now we turn from Christmas, although we're, we are currently in that season... By the time you hear this, we'll be beyond that season, and we move on to New Year's and winter. And also other Christmas. And later Christmas. And later Christmas. <laughs> That's right. So as I was looking at ideas for New Year's this year, and looking past at previous um, episodes, Sydney actually covered Japanese New Year last year, and Cole covered Russian New Year last year as well. So I was looking at traditions... Uh, that kind of stood apart from things we've heard before, and I came across the Scottish Hugmanay traditions. For most of the world, December 31st is New Year's Eve, but in Scotland, it's something much more important, Hugmanay. So what is it, and why does it make Scottish set fire to stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Hugmanay is a very big deal in Scotland. It's the biggest day in the festive calendar, a celebration that makes Christmas Day seem very small. It's like nothing else on earth. That's crazy. Hugmanay is what the Scots call their New Year's Eve celebrations. The origins of the word are unclear. Some say it's a corruption of the Greek words for Holy Month. Others that is of French origin. But the celebrations themselves go back centuries. But if even the Scots don't know the origin of the word, we're not likely to find out either. So where did Hogmanay come from? Hogmanay's origins seem to be Viking in nature. Norse invaders celebrated the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year, with wild parties in late December. Those parties began to incorporate elements from the Gaelic Samhain Winter Festival, which celebrates the beginning of winter, and Yule, whose celebrations were known as Daft Days in Scotland. (laughs) Like many annual celebrations, the end result is a mix of the various influences. So why is it such a big deal? Because until very recently, Scots didn't do Christmas. The Protestant Reformation effectively banned Christmas for 400 years. 
and Christmas Day didn't even become a public holiday in Scotland until 1958, and Boxing Day didn't become a holiday until 1974. Wow. So while the rest of the world celebrated Christmas, Scott's family get-togethers happened at Hugbanay instead. So how is this celebration different than other New Year's celebrations? Well, for one thing, it's longer. Hugbanay starts on New Year's Eve, but continues throughout New Year's Day and into January 2nd, which is a public holiday in Scotland. So while the rest of the United Kingdom is generally getting back to work on the 2nd, the streets of Scotland are generally deserted. The most important part, how do the Scots celebrate Hugmanay? Because we know the Scots party hardy. <laughs> so most Scots party, but they also observe a number of traditions. I'm going to go through five of the traditions. Besides the concerts, the street parties, fireworks, and more earthbound fire spectaculars, as well as the consumption of Scotland's most famous product, Scotch whiskey, there are a number of very ancient traditions associated with Hugmanay in Scotland that still can be found in communities and private celebrations today. The first of the five traditions I'll talk about is redding the house, R-E-D-D-I-N-G, redding the house. So this is like the annual spring cleaning in some communities or the ritual of cleaning of the kitchen for Jewish festival of Passover. So families in Scotland traditionally did a major cleanup to ready the house for the new year. So they swept out the fireplaces. Some people would read ashes like their people read tea leaves about the upcoming year. Another part of the annual cleanup was paying off of outstanding debts before the stroke of midnight. So after the big cleanup, at a time of year where fire plays such a huge part of the celebrations, so they would bring in uh, fire into the fireplace. And of course, soup and water and dust pans were involved as well. So someone goes from room to room carrying a smoking juniper branch to discourage evil spirits and chase away disease. Clearly, they just should have gotten nutcrackers. Right, had they known. Right. I mean, it's it's a pretty passive, like, you can just stick them there and yes. no spirits will come. But that was very German. It's a lot easier. That's yes. true. So, in Scotland, it's about carrying fire through the house. A juniper branch, specifically, to discourage evil spirits. Second major tradition is called first footing. So, after the stroke of midnight, neighbors visit each other. Bearing traditional symbolic gifts such as shortbread or black bun, a kind of fruitcake. The visitor offered a small whiskey, a wee dram. (laughs) Wee dram, that sounds good. The first person, according to tradition, that enters a house in the new year is called the first foot. And they can bring luck for the whole year to come. The luckiest of all was for a house to receive first foot from a tall dark and handsome man. The unluckiest was a redhead and the unluckiest of all a red-haired woman. Which is kind of funny in Scotland. Yes. Yeah, the odds are against you there. (laughs) Well, and in case you're wondering why a red-haired woman was the unluckiest, just remember that Viking raiders first brought fair hair to Scotland. And if if a Viking woman was first to enter, she would surely be followed by an angry Viking man. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. The third major tradition of Hugmanay are bonfires and fire festivals. So Scotland's fire festivals probably have pagan or Viking origins, but they use fire to purify 
and drive away evil spirits, uh, just like they would have done in ancient times. The most famous of Scotland's many fire festivals is the one at Stonehaven, where right before midnight, a parade of trained professionals swing balls of fire over their head, then toss them into the sea. The tradition dates back over a hundred years, and many believe it's based on pre-Christian ritual meant to purify and ward off spirits. Some believing that its timing with the winter solstice signifies that the fireball actually symbolizes the sun. That would be interesting. Mm -hmm. The fourth major tradition is called Saining of the House, S-A-I-N-I-N-G. So Saining is a very old rural tradition that involved blessing the house and the livestock with holy water from a local stream. Although it nearly died out for a while, in recent years it has experienced a revival. After blessing with water, the woman of the house was supposed to go from room to room with a smoldering juniper branch filling a house with purifying smoke. So this is similar to the other one, but this is more on the blessing side. Once everyone in the household was coughing and choking from the smoke, they would throw up the windows and drink some drams of whiskey uh, along the way. So the, the Highland custom of saining goes back a long way. It's practiced even today. And then this is followed by having the windows open on New Year's Day and bringing the fresh air to walk through the house before indulging in a hearty breakfast. So the last of the traditions is called Looney Dook. This is one of the more bonkers traditions, which marks the year ahead. It involves the practice of sprinting into the waters of the Firth of Forth on the 1st of January. Hundreds of Scots, in fancy dress, attempt to let the freezing cold water clear their Hugmanay heads as they take a quick dip in the sea with the sound of celebratory bagpipes as they test their resistance to the chilly temperatures. Wow, that sounds really, really cold. Yes, it is. So their Hogmanay heads, is that saying that they try to sober up by jumping yes, in the right. sea? Yes, <laughs> that's exactly and right. super cold water. Right. So those are some of the traditions. I think there's even other things that they do in different cities uh, during Hogmanay. One important tradition that is through all of them as well is singing of the Scottish tune Old Lang Syne. How fun is that? Very fun. The... Song, Old Lang Syne, has always been one of those for me that, you know, you hear it, you sing it-ish. Yeah, a little bit of it. <laughs> you know the tune, you like the tune, but I've always wondered what it really meant. It's been one of those, just those things out there. I always <laughs> wondered what um, verses were beyond the first one. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, I looked up a variety of websites to find some information on this. And the one on how stuff works made me laugh. It said, you know that song you hear every New Year's Eve? The one about not forgetting old acquaintances? Did you ever wonder what that phrase is in the chorus? Is it for old ang zine? Far hold ang zine. <laughs> for old aunt gazine? <laughs> Far held ang zine. Far held ang sign. For old ang sign. For old ang sign. Foothold and sign. So it had all these different things. They said, actually, it's not any of these. On New Year's Eve, the most common song for the English-speaking people to sing is Old Lang Syne. And it is spelled A-U-L-D, Old, Lang, L-A-N-G, 
and then sine S-Y-N-E. It is, it says, isn't it funny how it's possible to sing and hear a song so many times and they have no idea what it means? And wouldn't it be funny if it meant big pink elephants? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, to move on from big pink elephants, um, when we were in Scotland, I know Lang was one of those words. What Do you remember it was? Yeah, Lang, which means long. We even have a, uh, there's an expression in Scotland, Lang may your lum reek, which we have a magnet of, which means... Um, I believe long may your chimney smoke or uh, long may your house smoke or something like that. (laughs) But now that we know juniper smoking... Right, Right. it's supposed to mean long may the smoke come out of your chimney, chimney, meaning that your house is alive and well and prosperous. And safe from the spirits. Right. Apparently. (laughs) All the bad spirits. May you never be without fuel for your fire or long may your chimney smoke. Long may your chimney smoke. That's it. That's it. Lang may your lumbreak. There you go. So, Lang may your lumbreak, people. So, each New Year's Eve, most people know the first couple lines of Old Lang Syne, as you were saying, Randy, and then kind of mumble the way through the rest of it while it's hopefully just playing in the background. So, you're trying to just kind of lip sync it for a while. And then from independent.com, co.uk it said despite its vast popularity it's a song that very few people can actually recite the entirety of so it derives from a 1788 scots poem by robert burns and it's set to the tune of a traditional folk song but burns never intended his work to act as a farewell to the old year it's a piece which partially reproduces partially originally pens an older folk tune so he originally sent the piece to the Scots Museum with a note. The following song, an old song of the olden times, and which has never been in print nor even a manuscript until I took it down from an old man. Oh, so, that's funny. Yeah, so he didn't even claim to, to, own to be it. the yeah. original hmm. person. So that's interesting. So it was kind of oral tradition. Right. Then it was just passed down from kind of word of mouth. Right, Yeah. And the phrase Old Lang Syne roughly translates as for old time's sake. And the song is about preserving old friendships and looking back over the events of the year. And if you listen to the words, and I would do, I'll be reading through the words at some point. It seemed Hopefully to, in Scottish. Uh, definitely, yes. <laughs> it's two people speaking at the time. But it's for New Year's Eve, it's more broad. Oh, interesting. So it's more like it's a conversation? Right. Oh, that's funny. Yes. The song became associated with New Year's Eve when Guy Lombardo and his band played it at a New Year's Eve concert in 1929 that was broadcast on the radio. So there you go, folks. It caught fire from that point. Because it became a tradition at that point. Because some guy sang it. Yeah, some guy Lombardo. (laughs) This is from Scotland.org. So there's just a variety of places I picked this stuff up from. Uh, But one of the things I like is it's sung all over the world, evoking a sense of belonging and fellowship tinged with nostalgia. And I think that kind of encapsulates the feeling that this brings to people. Mm -hmm. In CNN, it said, you see, every New Year's Eve when the clock strikes midnight, people faking their way through Old Lang Syne. (laughs) (laughs) We don't blame them. No one really knows the words of the song, even though we sing it all over the world when we ring in the New Year. The British supermarket chain... I'm going, to call it, I'm going to call it Sainsbury. It might not, that might not be exactly how you say it, but it's the British supermarket. 
conducted a study that found just 3% of the people in the United Kingdom know the words of it. And even though it's a Scottish tune, the Scots didn't fare much better. Only 7% knew all the lyrics. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a tradition. We all like it. We all want it. But it's still a bit of an enigma. I found this very interesting. For Americans, we sing it at midnight. Or we attempt to sing parts of it at midnight. For the Scots, and I saw this in different places. Again, this is from scotland.org. Everyone stands in a circle holding hands. Then at the beginning of the final verse, and the final verse begins with, and there's a hand, my trusty friend. They cross their arms across their bodies so that their left hand is holding the hand of the person on the right. The right hand holds the hand of the person on their left. And when the song ends, they, they come to the middle of the room. I just thought that was interesting that they hold hands and at the, the first line of the last verse, they switch arms. They cross their arms over. I'm not sure what that is. What the significance of that right, is. Right. But it's really, um, it's, a, it's a fun tradition that we might want to incorporate into <laughs> our awesome New Year's Eve times. I have in front of me Burns' original Scots verses to Auld Lang Syne and then the English translation. So I'm going to read through it, and when I get to the first chorus, I'll, I'll say the first chorus, but then after that, I'm just going to say chorus, because there are one, two, three, four, five verses. So wow. five times that the chorus is sung, which is why we know the chorus so well, and the first verse. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? That's a question. Should old acquaintance be forgot and old lang syne? Again, a question. For old lang syne, my dear, for old lang syne, we'll take a cup of kindness yet for old lang syne. That's the chorus. And the second verse is, and surely you'll buy your pint cup, and surely I'll buy mine, and we take a cup of kindness yet for old lang syne. And then the chorus is sung again. We too have run about the slopes and picked the daisies fine, but we've wandered many a weary foot since old lang syne. So, again, it's two people. They've done some different things together, and some of it's been great. Some of it's been separate. We, too, have paddled in the stream from morning sun till dine, but seas between us broad have roared since old lang syne. So, together, apart. And then the chorus. And the final one, where you cross arms. And there's a hand, my trusty friend, and give a hand of thine, and we'll take a right good will draught. For old Lang Syne. So there you go. You're going to have a good drink together. <laughs> <laughs> but you're back together again. We take a right goodwill draught. Yes. It's a, it's a dram, I guess. It's bigger yeah. than a wee dram. Bigger than a wee dram. <laughs> for old Lang Syne. And then the chorus is sung again. I was so, thinking I, that this song is actually sang in It's a Wonderful Life at the end. Yeah. That well, is. so many people, it's such a common mm-hmm. um, yeah. melody. And it's one of those things that I didn't recognize even the title of the song, but before this podcast, but I had you guys pull it up on your phone, and I immediately recognized the tune. Right. Yeah. And I recognized some of the verses, so I've heard yes. some of the verses before, not all of them. Right. Um, but that's interesting. Yeah, I had read the same thing about them crossing their arms for that last verse. Yeah. So it does sound fun. Yeah. Just kind of neat. And it's interesting because the, the original Scots verse... You really have to know what you're saying. The one that says, we too have run about the slopes and picked the daisies fine, is we, toi, have run about the brace 
and poo the going's fine. <laughs> so, now that's my very sad attempt at the... Uh, at the language. At the language. Yeah. But it is something that it's good to have an English translation to know what you're actually saying, if you can remember. But I think we should memorize it so we can we actually should. sing. We yeah. should be able this, to sing it. Yep. Compress all of our friends. Exactly. And we can pass out... We can pass this out so people can know what they're singing. The lyrics? Oh, yeah. Okay. That would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to know what you're singing? Here we go. So that's Auld Lang Syne. So going a little east of Scotland, I will be taking a look at another, a little past our New Year's tradition. That's the Christmas in the Eastern Orthodox countries. And those are predominantly in the Slavic countries and the Caucasus and Arabian region. So that will be Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, the Balkan states, Serbia, Greece, and in the circles of Christians that fall in Syria, Turkey, and in Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan. One of the major differences between the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church is in the calendar that they use. The Gregorian calendar was introduced by Pope Gregory the 13th in 1582 and is of course the calendar that is the most widely used across the world but the orthodox church still uses the julian calendar which was introduced by julius caesar which is 13 days later than the gregorian calendar okay i wonder Mm -hmm. so the greek orthodox church in greece Cyprus and Bulgaria adopted the Gregorian calendar in the early 20th century, and it was adopted by other parts of the Slavic world uh, and Russia a little earlier than that. One of the major differences between Orthodox Christmas and sort of Christmas as we know it as a predominantly Protestant America is that Orthodox Christmas tends to be much more of a religious holiday than our Christmas tends to be. Obviously, Christmas celebrated in December very much has the religious element to it for a lot of people, but it also has the opening up the presents and more of a family time. Yeah, and you don't have to be religious at all right, to celebrate, to celebrate. The secular parts of that holiday. Right. right, and that's not necessarily the case with Orthodox Christmas because it involves things like fasting the day before. Eastern Orthodox Christians will typically fast until the appearance of the first star in the night sky, kind of symbolizing the birth of Jesus. So if it is a cloudy night... <laughs> you got to wait till the next night? You are... You are I, don't, I, don't, I don't know uh, what kind of situation they're yeah. in if it is a cloudy night, but uh, I'm sure that there's a way around that. Right, yeah. Right. So it is... Uh, traditionally, they greet each other by saying, Christ is born, and then the next person says, glory to him. So the Christmas Eve meal is uh, typically a lot of meat, very protein-heavy foods, and is alcohol-free, which Hmm. is uh, an interesting thing for Eastern Europe. And it consists of 12 dishes, symbolizing the 12 apostles. Kind of like I mentioned before, and kind of like I mentioned with Russian New Year, on last year's episode, on Orthodox Christmas, you don't give out gifts to friends and family. That's something that you would do 
maybe on St. Nicholas Day on the, I believe it's the 19th of December. December 6th. Well, you know what? This calendar is 13 days later. Right, right. So St. Nicholas Day for the Orthodox Church would be the 19th. Right. So they would typically do this on the 19th or they would do it on New Year's Eve, which I kind of talked about in the Russian episode. That's when you would get together as a family and give out gifts to each other. And that's when kind of the the celebration would be. So the new year for the Orthodox Church, according to the Julian calendar, is on January 13th to 14th. And the Day of Epiphany is likewise celebrated on the 19th of January. And one kind of tradition that they have with Epiphany in countries that adopted the Gregorian calendar rather than the Julian calendar since then, uh, like Bulgaria and Greece, is that priests will throw crucifixes into lakes or rivers, and the faithful will then dive in to retrieve them, which kind of reminds me of, like, when we were little kids and you would throw those pool toys (laughs) into the pool and we would try to dive down. (laughs) That's all I could think of, but... That might be disrespectful. Too. Well, but it's also very cold, <laughs> right? That time of year, right? So that's that's kind of the point is that you have to prove your faithfulness. Your because faithfulness. You're willing to go and right. I guess the it. positive is that a lot of these crucifixes would be very decorated in gold or reflective so you'd be able material, to see them. so you would be able to see them. So um, I mentioned in Hugmane that going into the river is part of their tradition. They use it to sober up as well. So you, you wonder. <laughs> Who decided that, hey, let's go into the water, freezing cold water first? The Orthodox Christian, who did it for religious reasons, or the Scottish, who did it for uh, sober (laughs) sobriety reasons? (laughs) It's also a celebration of agriculture in the Orthodox Church. The fasting actually will begin up to over a month before the celebration of Orthodox Christmas, in which... No meat is consumed. Rather, your you know your grain-based food becomes kind of your primary dish in that situation. Mm-hmm. So it's a celebration of agriculture and sort of I guess you could call it purification in that way. And it's interesting because the rules are a little different for the Greek denomination regarding fish because the Greeks they're such a kind of maritime and fish-based nation that there is as i understand it fish is allowed up to a point up to a longer point for the greeks but then it does cut off on a certain point Hmm. and then you get to celebrate with that very meaty meal very keto friendly meal very keto friendly (laughs) meal yep if you're uh doing a diet and you want to switch to orthodoxy because it's (laughs) there you go yep so the most classic dish is uh, called kutia, and I actually saw this in a bunch of different places, particularly for Ukrainians and Russians, uh, which is made of a sheaf of wheat dipped in honey with poppy seeds and represents the family and a prosperous harvest. Sounds good. A sheaf of wheat? Sounds good. Oh, wait. I thought it was bread. No, it's It's a sheaf of wheat with honey and poppy seeds. What, you're supposed to consume it? Yeah, you said it was a or dish, right? Or is it just right? a... It's, it's a dish. Well, I guess you must cook the wheat in some I have way. no idea. It's classic. 
All right. Crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> this is all. Okay, it's a little less, that's a little less in the baguette I was, cons- I was hearing. I was right, you were, you were imagining. <laughs> so on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, in the Northern Orthodox Church, that being uh, in Belarus, Ukraine, Russia, and sort of the upper European states, they spend a lot of their time on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day going around caroling from house to house. Oh, that's nice. We should do that. We'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> there was silence about. And another tradition that you may have actually seen, because a lot of times it will pop up on social media around this time, is have you ever seen a sort of a scene of a large frozen lake and then a block of ice cut out and then stairs leading down into the lake or the river from there? That sounds so cold. Right, which is kind of the point. But a lot of times, the Orthodox Christians will go to frozen lakes or rivers in long processions and make holes in the ice to bless the water and to a lot of times go down into the water as a form of purification. Sounds like a form of hypothermia. (laughs) (laughs) I hope there are like little fires alongside the banks to get warm up. Which works out uh, for a lot of the Orthodox Christians because around uh, a little under 40% of Orthodox Christians live in Russia. So plenty of icy lakes and rivers at that time. There are some Orthodox countries which do celebrate Christmas in, in December, but the countries which celebrate Christmas in January include Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Egypt, Serbia, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Montenegro, Macedonia, Ethiopia, Eritrea, Georgia, and Moldova. It's interesting that Greece and Macedonia celebrate differently. It is, yeah. Since they're so, like, part of Macedonia is actually in the country of Greece. Right, and that would be northern Macedonia. Right. Based on uh, the current political landscape. Yes. And it is, I believe, Greece, Cyprus, and Romania are three which do celebrate it in... December. So I wonder if there's a group of people who identify themselves as Macedonians that are in Greece that celebrate it in I, January. That would be interesting. Yeah. I don't know that if it's a uh, sort of a government kind of like, oh, we're still using right. this calendar, or um, that would be interesting. So if we have any uh, Northern Macedonian or Greek Macedonian listeners, yeah, let us know how you choose to celebrate it. Is it based on tradition or based on the government policies? Which you can see government policies kind of dictate when you're off, you know, what day of the right. week, work yeah. week you're off and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. So I like to celebrate Christmas on December 25th as sort of a big family thing. And then more personally on the 7th as well, because I personally identify as an Orthodox Christian. So which um, frozen river do you purify yourself in? There's, uh, there's Oliver's Pond right down the road. Yes, if it's that's right. cold enough at the time. Right. A bit murky over there. I, that, <laughs> yeah, that, that's one tradition that I have not yet engaged in. And, I eat plenty of meat. But if I see you purifying the house with a juniper, a smoky juniper oh, branch. Oh, that's Scottish. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> he'll be, he'll be getting your traditions like... mixed up. <laughs> if I see you drinking a wee dram, I also know you're picking up some other <laughs> that's <right>. <laughs> <So> <laughs> traditions. Other traditions. <laughs> Yes, yeah, some fun traditions, uh, and kind of like Beth was alluding to, uh, it's interesting to see how 
traditions kind of morph and pieces get picked up from here and there. And, you know, that's part of the fun of making your family traditions. So if any of those sound interesting to you, feel free to pick them up and make them your own. (laughs) The future festivities uh, this week are for the week of December 30th. December 30th is Bacon Day. It seems to me there's probably multiple Bacon Days throughout the year. I feel like we've heard that one before. But I think it's because bacon is so good Mm -hmm. that it has multiple days. December 31st is for uh, us, New Year's Eve. For others, it is not. But for us, it is. January 1st is New Year's Day. January 2nd is National Science Fiction Day. January 3rd is Festival of Sleep Day. That's so nice. I know. January 4th is National Spaghetti Day. January 5th is National Bird Day. So Sydney had to move on for Randy, Beth, and Cole. Happy, Happy New, New Year's! Days of old Lang Syne. Days of old Lang Syne. Days of old Lang Syne.